Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a chat with Matt. Today I'm joined by one of Toronto's hottest bands, Monowales. What's going on, y'all? What's happening, dude? Uh, Today I'm joined by Jordan, Zach, and Sally. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys because I had Jordan on way back when the show started in April of last year, and now it's kind of full circle having all of you here, which is good to see. So talk to me about what's been happening for the past uh, year in uh, quarantine. That'll hit it. Hit it. That's me. Um, what have we been doing? This is a, sorry. First of all, it's been a mistake that they, that I have a spinny chair for this interview. I'm sorry. Mm. Starting it off on a. Oh, I could join you on that. I also have a spinny chair, so that's okay. Here we go. Now that, hey. we, now that we've established that we're five this year. Six. Thank you. But that's fine. <laughs> derailed no it's been like ha, like ha, can i swear yeah say whatever you want it's been fucked man okay great <laughs> but it's also been like fucking great also you know how's it been both how's it been fucking terrible and fucking great well music is essentially shut down everywhere it's like live music in a lot of ways um and that's the saddest thing of all because that's what we love to do more than anything so we were really excited to be out on the road and and doing what we love again so that is a bummer we are bummed about that but we're stoked to be putting out music that people like and we're we're going as you can see we told you we've been writing all day we just are happy to keep going i'm happy to see all the innovation happening in music and the fact that we are innovating in a bit as a band to be like let's write digitally has brought new like i think that our songs are gonna be different now because that we've been having this new way to write and stuff so i think it's yeah it's an interesting year and it's been a positive one for the monwales like things have sucked but also i think it's been a positive one for us what do you guys think i agree <laughs> yeah i agree too yeah i think uh having a bit of like having time to step away it's, it, that's not something you usually get when you're trying to make a go of it as a band. You know, it's kind of just like go, go, go. You don't really get a pause. Well, so if you're able to make the most of it, it's all right. Especially in the genre that you guys are in because of the way the scene was working for X amount of years, especially lately, it was a lot of breaking breaking your back on the road, getting your name into different markets and trying to expand yourselves in different areas. But now, especially what I've seen you guys doing is you've been innovating in the way in which one, you did the live stream show in Macombo, which, by the way, how was that? Because that looked a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. So good. <laughs> yeah, and doing those kinds of things and just also, and it's like, Jordan, you kind of mentioned there, it's taking time to really think and reflect about what you guys are doing, how you guys are putting out. It's just, you. it's been a blessing and a curse that you've been able to assess everything as you're putting it out. As opposed to, okay, cool, we have a fuck ton of tour dates and we have a, a week to write our next album which is a struggle I hear a lot of bands go through. <laughs> no, for sure, man. But what's it's been the biggest struggle that you guys have been dealing with through all this? I think we all like really feel the pain when we're not playing. Like there's a certain side of us that like needs, we need like the nourishment of like getting on stage. So not having that is like, at least for me, I, I like a piece of me is just missing all year. But I don't, I don't know if that's the same. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think another piece 
of me that's missing <laughs> for talking about pieces is the fact that I also, other than playing shows, I go to shows all like so much. Like if if not every day, I'm at a different show, many shows per night. So that's another thing that's really important to me is music and seeing music in general. It's, it's a part of what, not just like, yeah, playing is one thing and it's so sad and it sucks, but not being able to see it as well, like that's killing me. And there's so much love and inspiration that comes from that. And it's just, it's sucked. It's sucked dry right now. And you take what you can get. Like, I'm really thankful for people that are doing live streams. I watch them as much as I can. And I've been listening to to anything they put out, but it's not the same as like being in the room. And I think it's almost been a year, right? And the lame thing that I do is I check Instagram for like my stories. Like, what did I do last year when things were before the, the COVID times? And it's always like a different show, different show, different show. And then I know that the day's gonna come that I think it was like near March when things shut down and I saw um, Samir Cash. And that was like the last show that I was out at the Burdock. And it was a weird night. I don't know if everyone experienced it, but everyone was like, what is, are we supposed to be here? It was like not a shutdown yet, but everyone is sketchy. And then it was this weird feeling in the room of no one like being near each other in case. And then at the end I was talking to Samir and it's like, we'll see when we'll see each other again. He was having a smoke. And that's like the most surreal moment. I think once that day comes like that year anniversary, um, that's gonna solidify that like, solidify some sadness, <laughs> more sadness. Um, I don't mean to make this interview sad. I'm I'm just sad about it. Listen, life is sad. There's nothing wrong with a little sadness. When when there's sadness, there's also comes hope at some fucking point. Don't know when, but eventually. And and we're waiting. We're like waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel because as soon as there there's hope and it's safe, we're we're like out there. Zach, any thoughts? Yeah, all of the above, along with. I forgot what the question was actually now. We've gone pretty far. <laughs> I was my reflection of the year. What makes like, you sad is essentially the question. <laughs> what makes me sad this yeah. whole year? Um, yeah, not being able to play shows kind of takes away the direct reward we get just for all the work we do because that's such a foundational part of what we are as a band. And that's when you get to interact with the people that actually enjoy your music on a direct level and see like, oh, people like what I do. Maybe I should keep doing this. This is a good thing. So it's been tough. But I, I think like, you know, the best part of the year is that we've been able to, in some ways, just keep on doing what we've been doing. And we were lucky that we already had some music recorded that we were ready to release. We we're, we were in a position where we are, we are able to keep wheels turning, which is, you know, I think it's very fortunate. And then just shut down the operation. Yeah, and, and that's also the good thing is you guys were continually rolling through all this because many bands, especially like a lot of bands in a variety of different positions, whether it's major labor or indie, kind of got halted or they kind of got completely fucked over by the fact that they couldn't go out and tour. And especially like the immediate mind always goes to Crownlands, how they had a their debut record release and all of a sudden they lost the ability to tour all over the world. And it's just, it's very sad to see. I'm just going to sip my tea sadly and mom. To be honest, I feel like we were actually in like the luckiest 
like one of the most lucky positions because we weren't we're not so big of a band that like if we had a tour scheduled canceling it would like we'd lose like a hundred grand just on you know costs for like techs and like all that stuff that we would have like brought on board we're still pretty lean as a touring outfit and then we're not so small that we don't that we're like starting from the ground up to just get the word out we're kind of in this place where we can kind of make the most of it digitally and sort of just bide our time so yeah i think we're all pretty thankful that like we didn't get as screwed over as we could have no absolutely uh with the new kind of era in which mono whales is entering we're entering into daytona bleach i i shout you guys out online because i i love the album art i think that looks really sick the new songs are great the everything all the visual content looks really great. What's the main difference that you've noticed between this kind of era of where you're entering and the previous era? Take it away, Zach. Me? I think we've uh, fine-tuned our our attention to like a pop hook, and and uh, we kind of we've always been an eclectic band from day one, and we're still pushing boundaries within ourselves for broadcasting that eclecticism while still sounding like a band that, you know, is the same people, I think, I hope. But um, yeah, I think a bit less raw rock and roll from the last record, a bit more pop excitement, but still a whole lot of fun. (laughs) And what about you all as individuals how, how do you feel you've changed between the transformation from the last era to this one is there any mindset changes is there any way you're approaching songwriting differently marketing differently anything like that yeah i feel like there's no way i could recognize that person that i was anymore like when that's I think a big one control freak i am and i'm really actually like um happy about it <laughs> i'm happy that and I, I i don't know if everyone feels this way but we've changed so much um and in terms of like growing as both musicians and writers but i think even on a personal basis it's just like a lot has happened since then and whether we've had um you know breakups or move-ins and moves like things like that like things have changed a lot and i think covid even has like um fast forwarded a lot of like mental health issues but also the opportunity to work on those mental health issues because you have the time so I don't know I um let me know if I'm speaking for myself when I'm like I I'm so happy that we've come this far and that this album is so different and I hope to continue to like look at the next album and be like I don't know who that was this is better I just want to keep looking forward and have that mentality and I think we're there so far yeah like the previous album was mostly written as like a band in a room and a lot of this record started being more uh, i guess like production focused and bringing in the band like after the fact trying to replicate the parts sort of song for song basis but we put in a lot more of um sitting behind a laptop effort this time around Mm -hmm. that's definitely affected the sound and Jordan, what about you? Yeah, I would mirror what Sally's saying that like, I feel like I'm a completely different person. I feel like Control Freak was like the first 
it felt like the first time I had ever tried to write songs for real. And like, I've been writing songs in bands since I was like 17, but it didn't feel the same. Like it didn't feel like, like there was actually a goal aside from like make there be music where there wasn't music before. Like that was the benchmark. <laughs> and then with Control Freak, it was like, try to do it well. And then going from that to where I am now, like just getting my reps in over the years, like I feel like it, I'm just like, have leveled up so much as like a lyricist that it's like, it's so much more fun, like, like working with the guys now, like even today, just being able to like put lyrics on a page really fast and stuff like that. It's, it's just a completely different feeling. And like the level of, I guess, positivity that I can bring to that experience or even like, I don't know, it was a pretty like, leading into control freak that was a pretty like miserable time in my life that was like a rough time and we've talked about that a lot in like interviews and shit it was just like a pretty brutal time so it just doesn't feel that way anymore like things are still hard it's like we're in a pandemic or whatever but i just feel at least within myself like a lot more at peace and what's kind of the message that's being brought with this new era because obviously you just mentioned that you dealt with a lot of shit things weren't great back then what's kind of the message and mentality now going into this next phase? I think what we captured on the record is like, it's just like a lot of the themes are like struggling against something like that pops up a lot. But Sally, I know you had something to say. Um, I didn't, but I will <laughs> say something. Um, yeah, I think I was actually going to say there was a quote that you've said before that I really like, Jordan, about us. <laughs> it was like about like struggle and in a lot of our songs, but like it, you listen to our songs, and you might not think at first that it's going to be something dark or in our, you know, but our lyrics kind of do get that way sometimes. But I think I like that about our music. It's like, you're not, you're listening, you're like, oh, it's a dance song, this is sick. And then you look into the lyrics and you're like, ah, oh, there's like something a bit more to it. I hate saying this, it makes me sound like, oh, we're so deep and that's not <laughs> mean at all. It's more just, it's not like, there's more to this, the face value of what maybe the upbeat music sounds like. We try, we really, we try to, to express what we feel in them. But I feel like we also don't have to try because it's really fucking hard for us to just write a song that's just like happy on its own. Like there's always this like darkness to it, even in like the fun ones, there's still like, there's there's always like some element of like, ah, but it's kind of fucked up a little bit. <laughs> but aren't those the best songs, the ones that have at least a bit of darkness, a bit of edge to it? I think it makes for a well-rounded. We like it. <laughs> We like darkness. Anyway, yeah. so we're going to take a quick music break right now, hear a word from our sponsor, Anchor, and then we'll be right back with Mono Whales. We'll see you in a few. Young and adulterated, life is R-rated, love equals sex, sex makes you famous, parents can't blame us, oh what a
right, welcome back from the music break. And thank you once again to Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. I kind of wanted to go a bit further back with you guys because I, I kind of came, I came across you guys. I think it was when that one video was going viral on Facebook, which I think a lot of people started picking you guys up then. Take, take me back to the beginning of Mono Whales. Take, take me on a story. Take me on a path. Take me down to the paradise city. I've been saying that all day. Where do we... we? Every time we're asked this, it's like, okay, is it the real past or like the real, real past? Like how? So there's give like me, the... give me the shit that you either haven't said or were too scared to say. I'm kidding. I feel but... like we've always we've said it at some point. It's like, do you want the the beginning of monowales or the beginning of ginger ale in the monowales or the beginning of like high school like sally and i meeting wherever you feel the story starts best i mean we got we, we got an hour so we might as well yeah tell the go. story um yeah like the real beginning would have been probably me being conscripted into this band who was made up of friends of sally's and then meeting sally at um after one of that band's shows at a bonfire where was it so it was probably in the in North York somewhere. Yeah, it's like Eglinton and something. Bonfire, met Sally, um, started seeing each other a lot, and then decided to go to music school. And then Sally got in and I got rejected, even though it was my idea to go. So that was a painful experience. But <laughs> Sally's really good at singing. So she got into the school. They were like, no, dude, you can't come um but that was just like their little one-year program and then we both got into their long like their degree program right after and that's where we met zach and then um yeah started playing as ginger ale in the mono whales doing like little club do you remember this you know the sister in toronto yep so we played that was like our first show was at the sister and and how long ago was that i i'm afraid to say it would have <laughs> been in like 2012 or something zach you know didn't want to jump in there. The first show was January 2013. Okay. I was close. Okay. What were, what were we wearing, Zach? I think I, I could dig up a picture and like after dinner though. What was the general atmosphere? Family and friends. <laughs> Perfect. Who was opening? I think Fonell opened for us, right? Yeah. Who yeah. was the nursery? Nursery no, for the second friend. time we did this, sister local toronto bands as well some of them still here some of them in the ether yeah so we were just jamming in this condemned building that i had a rehearsal space in um playing shows with ginger and monowells and then yeah eventually like we put out an ep we played big show at the garrison before we go there though i want to highlight a moment that happened and zach and i have talked about this where so jordan was in a bunch of bands right i don't think we've ever talked about this in an interview but you were in bunch i don't of even know what you're gonna bring up yeah I don't perfect <laughs> and i remember we were jamming and um you and then we we're using the space and then you stopped at the end of the rehearsal to like tell us like look like i'm in a bunch of other bands so i can't really take this one like that seriously like i'm busy yeah, you know. you're like this. I'm down to play drums for you guys. Whatever, no big deal. Let me check my calendar, kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the fuck do you guys want from me? I fucking for the rehearsal space. What's that? Oh, I said and 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 pay me for the rehearsal space. Yeah, you better fucking pay for that. I was paying for that rehearsal space. No, it was um, 
yeah, I was in two bands and I was doing a music degree. Like I was busy. These guys were like, you want to do fun, weird music. Like you should have heard the shit we were playing back then. I was like, this isn't serious. I can't do this for real. And, and then now this is all I do. We kept him and he's, this is his sole band now. This is, we, we made it. <laughs> Anyways, go on. They put, they put a ring on it. Because I think that is a really funny moment that happened in our history. Where um, uh, we're glad to have you. Thank you for staying on board, Jordan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a huge part of this band. I don't want to belittle him in any way. But go on with the story. It was great. You're no, you someone take over for me. Zach, take over. Well, Jordan left it at like. Uh, okay, I don't freaking know. We did some really exciting shit, and like we packed the garrison. There was a mosh pit. We were selling our records in these pop cans. We were basically the cream of the crop. <laughs> Dan Burke was like, yo, get over here and play. Askew was like, you're in the shoe now. Go. And um, and everyone was afraid of us. They didn't want to play shows with the monowells. <laughs> what made you Sally's think like over here regretting asking Zach to fucking tell the story now. She's like, why did I ask this guy to do this? Wait, why did they, first of all, yes, we are the DIY darlings back in the day. I feel like we're not that cred, street cred anymore. Long gone. Why didn't, what is this note about not anyone wanting to play with us? Is yeah, let's a, say, what, what made people scared? Yeah. Oh, let's say, were you beating people whales, up in the alley? The bubbles, it was too friendly. Uh, yeah, I'm not telling a good story here. Anyways. <laughs> We had a lot of fun, and then we got to that point of putting out Home, and that was a big turning point for the band. And uh, that was the first time, kind of to Jordan's point, where he said a, a little bit ago, you know, we were really focused on writing a song. When we wrote Home, that song you were talking about, that we did that viral video, we, we took a song that Sally had brought in and basically tore it apart and rewrote a whole new song meticulously um you know blood sweat and tears all of that and we put our a game on that and really focused on just delivering a song that we felt was the best we could do and uh, with the video that went along with that and that was kind of a, a big level up period for us in terms of honing in on our craft and that's kind of the transition time from ginger on the monowells to monowells so what, what was that, it about home in that? that kind of period that transitioned you guys from Jordan casually saying, well, let me check my schedule, get back to you to, okay, now let's get our shit together and let's roll. It was like making a concerted effort to be recording artists. I think like to, to take seriously the fact that like, we're not going into the studio to record shit. We play live. We're going to like write for the recording. Whereas before we were writing for our live shows and the songs were like five, six minutes long sometimes big long like breakdown bridge guitar solo like shit that's really hype live but doesn't really carry on a recording and then with home and this one other track on that record called name for myself that was like the first song um that was when i started writing grants so i got us a grant and we were like whoa money this is great we should do stuff that gets us more of this and then um so yeah, it was just taking like taking what we were as a band from like a personality standpoint and then rather than just like letting it run wild and doing fun shit that musicians like, it was more like how do we take that and distill it into something that 
a fan is going to actually connect to. They're going to want to put this, uh, you know, play it on Spotify or whatever and actually like dig in. You make us the sound. Okay, I just want to clarify. This makes us sound really sellouty. <laughs> no, I didn't feel thing. that way. <laughs> just a little bit. I don't think it sounded sellouty. Well, there's a nature to selling out if you're trying to make money, I guess. But who do we sell out to? Like nobody. We didn't work with anybody. Uh, the Peterborough Pride <laughs> Festival. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was part of it, but it was also like. Typically, we'd record a song in the studio and then after the fact, be like, okay, how are we going to work around what we have here and just make do with what we got? Um, and this time around, it was it was also just about servicing the song and, you know, narrowing it down to a very specific intention and message. Every single lyric, check the dots of, yeah, this is conveying the story and the message that we want. Every part of the music really supporting that and not just being cool for cool's sake of like, well, I'm a guitar player, but uh, like really supporting the music and building a track that carried it home, you know? So, oh, bottom. Took it there. Is yeah. that, are, are we killing you, Matthew? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here having a great time. I, I had a long day and I just, it's nice just to chill with a nice cup of tea and just listen to some stories. I just, I feel it's like all three of us. And I feel like we're like, okay, Jordan, you get, I feel like I'm in a loopy mood, like Zach's in a loopy mood and you just got us in like, this is like, you can ask us some weird shit, man. Like we're, Perfect. we're down. I'll take my clothes off. I mean, if you'd like to, you're more than welcome to. I, it's a little chilly in here to be honest. I don't make any money on this. So go for uh, it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious now from back then to now, what are some of the mistakes that you made that you would pass on to some of the next up and coming bands to make sure that they don't kind of fall into the same pitfalls that you guys may have discovered on the way? Many. I, I think <laughs> the biggest one, this is like a very vast one is just really setting your intentions and your goals to something you want and you know understanding i guess that this is a this is a business you're doing not just a fun thing you get together with your friends once a week to play music and um treating it that way like i don't think anyone that wants to open a restaurant says yeah maybe like i'll have my friends over and we'll cook burgers on the weekends and you know like i don't know blah 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 you're gonna Treat it like a business, make a business plan, have uh, proper artwork, do market research, blah, 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 yada, 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 and uh, go get a loan maybe to open up your store and, you know, give it your all rather than, you know, sometimes, you know, we've had membership changes and that's often just because people realizing, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this, you know? So having the, the tricky part about a band is, all being on the same page and being super committed. And um, that's a very hard thing to figure out. It's a hard thing to find, honestly. I uh, too. So, and you know, it's hard to operate when everyone's not on the same page too. So just being honest with yourselves is a big one. And that's a very hard thing, but I don't think a lot of, you know, beginner bands as we've all experienced do that. I think like, I think it, has more to do with um because i totally agree with you but i think it has to do with like knowing what it's not finding people who are committed but it's finding people 
who know what commitment actually is. Because I feel like if you asked us at any moment or asked any of our former members, for example, like over the course of the band's history, like, are you fully committed? Are you taking this seriously? They'd be like, yeah, of course I am. But they don't know what that actually means. And we didn't know what it meant over the years either. Like we were learning what was required as time went on. Like there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm taking my band so seriously. I like booked Friday night off work for our gig. Like how much more seriously can I take this? And it's like way more fucking seriously. You know what I mean? Like you have to be willing to do all sorts of crazy shit. So I think like there was a bit of a learning curve for us figuring out just like what is actually required to do this for real. Mm -hmm. To kind of take it to a more deeper kind of philosophical angle on the question. If you could give your beginning of Mono Whale's era self a piece of advice to help them get through some of the times that may have been more challenging than others, what, what would that piece of advice be? No one cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> this is really not a big deal it's right true. now. Yeah, man. like none of the shit you think is important right now is actually important. You haven't even gotten to the important part yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just let it go. <laughs> Move on. Tomorrow's another day. Yeah, I guess attached to that, I would tell my younger self to just like, in that same vein of not taking things so seriously, it's like, not in, like, don't be so sensitive. Like, let things, um, what's that saying about off your back? Roll off your back. Off your back. Like, water off a duck. Exactly. Just like it just because like it's so much heartache that and baggage that gets attached if you don't. So if you're just able to let that go and find things that like um, help you do that, I think that I would have benefited from that because I think that's a yeah. And the same thing they're saying, like caring too much about things can hurt over time. And, and it's good to see that you all recognize the fact that things back then weren't important and you aren't allowing yourself to get carried or held back by those things. And you're able to progress forward and do the things that you're doing now out of all the things you've guys have done so far. And I haven't really asked this question to many people in a bit. And I, and I kind of want to ask you guys this because you've definitely been on quite a journey from beginning to now. What, what's been a hot, each of you can answer this. What's been kind of a highlight of the journey thus far. Out of the journey. I just dug touring, touring to a studio is like the, like close to the pinnacle of the shit that I want to do. Like, sure, like the shows could be bigger or the studio time could be longer or whatever. Like there's still things we want to do past this, but getting to go out on tour and play a bunch of shows and then end up in a studio and like live there and make a record is like, that's like all I've been wanting to do my whole life. me <laughs> like, up? um i mean again i hate to always do this like piggybacking on jordan on that one for sure um but also i think something that's really gratifying is that we get to make you know music and and then this art surrounding it whether it's our videos or our photos and anything and i love that you know, at, at the end of the day, like when Daytona Bleach comes out, it's like this whole encompassing thing that we've created 
um, with with the artwork and the like everything is this like photograph of time and to be able to like put <laughs> sound and visuals to it like that's to me one of the best things about doing this is looking back and being able to like see something that came out of our brains and you're able to take something from your brain and like make it a real thing that other people get to see like that is the love of my life I love like I still love playing shows and seeing people sing our songs like seeing people just know the lyrics and really excited being really excited about it it's such a that's what I was saying earlier like that's the ultimate reward is literally standing across from other humans and uh sharing that experience with them they're stoked to you know be a part of what we're doing and we're stoked to have them and you know create that experience with them and, and turning on your car and your song being on the radio is always you guys don't drive anywhere but that's that's happened to me a few times the past few weeks and it's always a pleasant surprise like oh shit that's that's my band that's cool we're we enjoy the simple things in life man <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're not complicated people you know we just want to be on the radio and <laughs> have everybody love us <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with that you gotta keep it simple <laughs> keep it simple stupid method the kiss method it's mm -hmm. a good one yeah. All right, so we're going to take our final music break right now, and we're going to hear a final word from our sponsor, Anchor, and then we'll be right back to finish this up. See you in part three.
All right, welcome back to part three. Thank you once again to Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. I'm back with Mon Wales. I'm curious about what you think the live industry is going to be after this. Because I, I've asked a few different people their perspectives on like, do you think we're going to be entering kind of a live show renaissance in which audiences... I don't know if you guys saw the trend of it, but especially in a secondary market like Osho, I've noticed the trend of attendance significantly decline over the past few years. Do you think more people are going to be excited to go out to shows or is it going to be kind of a, a small group of people excited and then the rest of them are like scared because, you know, disease and such? What are your thoughts? And I fucking hope people are going to be stoked. I'm going to be stoked. I'm expecting some kind of a boom. Um just because I feel like most people, especially after all this time, are more willing to take risks to have a good time than they are to like remain cautious. And you can just, you can see it already in terms of people's willingness to even obey the existing, you know, stay at home orders and stuff like that. It's like people, even at the worst of times like this, like people still aren't following these rules. So I feel like everyone's just gonna flood back in and there's like gonna be more attendance at shows. And I think it's up to the venues, it, which sucks because the venues are struggling right now, but I think it's up to the venues to like make sure the experience that are coming back to is a great experience so that they continue to come back after that initial period. Mm-hmm. And what about the formats that have been like really elevated throughout this pandemic? So the drive-in shows, live stream shows, everything along those lines, like do you think a lot of that stuff is going to carry over post-COVID or is it going to be a significant less amount or I feel like there's a lot more work to put in to create those events and they probably cost a lot more money I don't know to put them on so but I don't know you guys I feel like I mean I think that major artists make less money if they do live streams I believe unless they're able to geogate things Um, so I don't see like big artists wanting to do that um you know unless it's like a special event like Coachella or like a performance like that um but in terms on of smaller I think it's just changed things in in terms of like people are more willing to be on camera live like before this there are so many artists that I know and love who wouldn't do that even people like James Blake who like don't ordinarily go live on their Instagram who just like have it's normal to them now and you get to see them more so even I think that's trickled down to like um smaller artists where they couldn't be in a club doing their um open mics and stuff so it became a uh, opportunity for people to be normalized to be like making music in front of a camera and, and doing that so I think that, that that's at least some of that is here to stay and I'm happy about it and I hope it continues to innovate as the platforms get better and people um, want more you know and kind of on the artist side do you think a lot of the artists are who are starting to do twitch or these interviews or any sort of the shit like that do you think it's going to carry over for them in terms of how they're going to operate their promotion campaigns or marketing campaigns whether they're going to input more of that online interface into their strategy or are they going to kind of revert back to okay cool touring's back let's just go on the road and post that hey we're on at seven come come see your band i think it depends on the artist i think i've already seen people at least i know in, in some countries in europe you can tour 
and they have options for people where you can either and, and I was actually asked this by a fan like I hope that when you come to wherever it was um can you I hope that you have an option to not only um play live but you have a live stream so I'm like whoa I didn't even think about it that way and I know there's other artists doing it but for the people who opt not to come um they want to be there too in their city so I think that is a really cool concept to think about for the people who can't make it and then you can still sell tickets like it's definitely more work and more money to do that especially if you're going to do it well uh but I think that's a cool concept yeah I I agree I think it's gonna I think it's gonna turn into for the smaller artists like if venues have the the capability it'll become like a free a freemium type thing um where like for someone like us if we're touring canada but we're beaming the shows out to europe like geogated to europe so like because we're trying to build a fan base over there but can't necessarily get there as much as we want to it'll be like people who are over there that want to support us can like chip two bucks or even like with more of a like live stream like super chat kind of like okay i can pay some money and you know there's going to be a tablet on stage where the band can see like i'm i'm saying something to them or i'm doing something or my face pops up for a second but it's like it's got to be a low barrier of entry financially but i think that could be a really cool way you know for a band in our position to start getting our live show out to other markets rather than the only way we can do that is through actually getting there physically i i that's a concept that i've talked with a few different promoters about especially in toronto venues like the biggest issue that's going to come about, I think, from trying to set up a live stream capability is the initial infrastructure to create said show. So whether it be a higher speed internet connection, a better interface to connect the sounds, the sound process is the same way, the type of cameras you're using, how many cameras you're using, what's the cost on the tickets, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like where can venues find that infrastructure, especially when they have no ability to make money now. So that's the issue is like, you're not going to, I don't think a lot of venues are going to be able to do it. Well, this is why it would be ideal that venues do it It, like in an ideal world. But I think it is going to come down to the artist having once again to do, to do that. And I guess bigger artists have that capability much easier. Um, But that's, that's the struggle is the smaller artists. It would be a lot harder to do that. And what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for when things open back up, especially for artists. Cause one that initially comes to mind for me is I feel like Jordan, you mentioned earlier kind of a boom, like of the live Renaissance. And I definitely agree. Something of that is going to happen, but I know like with all the venues that have been closing, there's going to be significantly less rooms available. And you know, all the top agents are going to go in there, take advantage of the calendars early in advance. And a lot of these smaller artists aren't going to, be able to book shows or they're gonna have to resort to uh, good old DIY rec hall days which I'm down yeah I'm stoked about that I'm actually stoked about that I think that's a good thing it's gonna suck but I, I I think it's actually going to force the creation of scenes in places where the scenes have died and like I'm kind of excited to see what what comes about like I would love to see the loosening of government regulations on like alcohol and stuff like that to make it easier for those scenes to come up so that DIY DIY venues can operate without that constant threat because that's sort of what killed the scene in Toronto is like all the all ages shows 
all the all ages venues basically got shut down in the span of like a year or two while we were just coming out of high school and like we we were lucky we got to like see it a little bit while we were still there but then it just all went away so i think if yeah there's way more bands willing to play and people willing to go and see those bands but there's far less venues i think people are gonna yeah you're gonna see like more house party shows and stuff like that and i think that's that's probably a good thing Mm-hmm. you said it like i'm with you a hundred percent zach any thoughts he said it i'm a hundred percent with you <laughs> he was a very great speaker and he spoke well for us all nothing wrong with that it's good yeah all right I'll, I'll leave you guys with one last question what's next record dropping daytona bleach daytona bleach march 5th 2021 it's finally happening will this will this air before then it drops friday sick plot this i'm recording this on monday (laughs) keep uh keep an eye out because we'll be announcing a live stream um variety hour half hour event thing for on release day we're going to be giving away some prizes we're going to be doing some really fun stuff we might be eating some really spicy things it's going to be super fun so watch our socials for that. Define spicy things. Very spicy things. The things have not yet been determined, but the spice levels are high. What's been... your favorite spice? My favorite, my favorite spice? Yeah. So here's the thing. Back in September of last year, I, I got invited on to the Hot Wings Live thing. I don't know if any you guys saw that. It was hosted by uh, Greg Hatchett out in London. And I did that and it was probably the worst mistake of my life. <laughs> I just... cannot wait to make the same mistake. Oh, no, because he, he delivered the sauces and like it was eight different sauces and the last one was De Bomb and De Bomb destroyed my life. <laughs> I was out of commission for like three days. It was really bad. That bad? Uh, I was vomiting live on stream. Damn. Like off camera. <laughs> This is okay. So if that is the case, you're really gonna want to tune in because we don't know what's gonna happen to us. Because we were talking, I was talking to to our buddy Phil, who's gonna be running the live stream for us, and he was like, "What if what if it's too hot and you guys like physically cannot continue?" And I'm like, "Best live stream ever!" Like that's that's (laughs) best case scenario (laughs) for everyone watching. Terrible for us, but great for everyone else. Pretty much. No, absolutely. All right gonna happen too so we'll see you there <laughs> yes absolutely all right jordan zach sally thanks for hanging out for me with a bit i can't fucking talk i am so tired now <laughs> where where can people find you and what you're doing everything at monowills at monowills everywhere google us we're the only ones <laughs> makes it easy all right y'all i'll see you next week with a new episode take it easy Thanks, Peace. Man.